Hello and welcome. I'm Megan Crabtree, and one of my favorite times of the day is when I'm getting ready and can throw on a true crime case without distraction. Every week, we dive into a new case while you grab your makeup, sip your coffee, and get ready with murder. I know that you all remember your teenage years and how exciting it was to head out to a party with your friends. It was especially exciting when you had finally gotten your driver's license and you were able to take out your parents' vehicle for the evening. Now, naturally, most parents weren't just okay with handing you their car keys to go to a party. So yeah, you probably fibbed a few times and told them you were just hanging out somewhere when in reality, it was about to get crazy with your besties. These were those little moments of adulthood and freedom that we all craved as teenagers and felt like we were just invincible to any and all harm that could potentially come our way. The only problem here is what happens when the unthinkable does actually happen. What happens when you realize that you aren't invincible and something bad does happen? This is the story of Kanika Jenkins. Kanika Jenkins was born in Chicago on May 27, 1998 to Teresa Martin. Kanika and her mother had a great relationship, and her mom actually had just underwent surgery for breast cancer in 2017. And when she was released from the hospital, Kanika was actually her caregiver during that time. On September 8th, 2017, so literally right after her mother had been released from the hospital, Kanika was in a celebratory mood because she had just landed a new job at a nursing home that she was super excited about. So her and her friends decided that they were going to go out and party in celebration of this new achievement. As most would guess, Kanika's mom would not have been okay with her going out to a party. So as many of us did many times as teens, Kanika told her mom that her and her friends were going to go head to just, you know, a movie and go bowling afterwards. Teresa offered her vehicle for Kanika's night out with her friends and Kanika would leave the house just a little bit after 11 p.m. that night. Little did either of them know at the time that would be their final interaction face-to-face. So obviously, Kanika and her friends did not in fact go to a movie and bowling. Rather, they decided to attend a party at the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel in Rosemont, Illinois. Kanika and her friends would appear for the first time on security cameras at 1.13 a.m. entering the side entrance of the hotel. The party that they were attending inside was in room 926. It's unclear what went on between 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. that evening before they appeared on the CCTV. I'm totally guessing here, but it's incredibly common to pregame, so I imagine that's probably what they were doing on their way to this party. Now, during this time, the girls were streaming live videos to Facebook, and it was pretty obvious that they really weren't having any fun in these videos. The hotel room was packed. There were reportedly at minimum 30 people in attendance, and a lot of the guys that were there were being described as like aggressively flirting with these girls, and it was absolutely not reciprocated. So about half an hour after the girls got to the party, Kanika sent a text message to her sister, and this would be the last communication that Kanika would have directly with her family. Just a few minutes after the text message was sent, a live video was streamed to Facebook at 
6.36 a.m. And so in this video, which has now been viewed by millions of people, you can see a woman wearing like mirrored sunglasses and she's talking directly to the camera. And in the reflection of those sunglasses, you can see Kanika sitting on the other side of the hotel room. Now at 2.17 a.m., Kanika posted a video to Snapchat of her in that hotel bathroom. Her friends would later say to investigators that Kanika spent the time at the party doing what you would expect someone to do. She drank, she spent time chatting with her friends, and she danced that night. Around 3 a.m., the girls decided that they were done for the night and they were ready to head out. So they leave the hotel room together, and as they're making their exit, Kanika realized that she had left her car keys and cell phone back in the hotel room that they were partying in. This is where the stories start to collide and not match up. So I'll report what was said by both accounts. Some of the girls state that they left Kanika in the hallway next to the elevator to head back and retrieve Kanika's belongings. And then some of the girls claim that they had actually made it all the way down to the hotel lobby and that that was where they left Kanika to go back to the hotel room. Regardless of the location, they all agreed that they left Kanika to go back to the hotel room and get Kanika's belongings for her that she had left behind. This entire account in general just does not make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't understand why one, Kanika herself wouldn't just go back up to the room to get her stuff, but two, why all of her friends decided that they needed to go back and get her stuff and leave Kanika alone. I mean, I'm a girl who has spent plenty of time out with my girlfriends and more often than not, we just don't split up. It's like a weird girl code thing. It would have to be a seriously good reason for my entire group of friends to split off from me and leave me alone at a location that honestly we aren't super familiar with. It's just, it's it's a little bit weird to me. Anyway, regardless of where they left Kanika, all three of her friends that were with her that night left to go back to the room and Kanika was now by herself. The girls claimed that they were gone for approximately like 15 to 20 minutes, which again just doesn't make sense to me. If you're splitting off from someone and it's going to be like more than three to five minutes, why are you splitting up? When the girls returned to the spot that they left Kanika, she was gone. They said that they started searching the hotel for her and they weren't able to find her anywhere. Now, the hotel has CCTV, right? So later on, they were able to determine that between 325 and 332 a.m., surveillance footage shows Kanika stumbling down the hallways, bumping up against the walls, and even running in a stair railing. Watching this footage, it looks really clear that Kanika was under the influence of some kind of substance to be in that state. Now, this is where we get our last visual of Kanika. She ends up barging into the kitchen of the hotel and turning around a corner. And that's the last time we're able to see Kanika alive on camera. Meanwhile, the girls are searching for Kanika and getting nowhere. They're getting really worried. And it's been like 30 minutes of looking for her with no luck. So at 4 a.m., the girls decide to call Teresa, Kanika's mother. And you know you have to be scared if you decide to call your friend's mom because they're completely outing their plans from that evening by having to tell her where they are and why they even have to call her at all. So the girls asked 
Teresa if Kanika had just ended up going home without her friends and maybe she was safe and sound at her own house. But Teresa would confirm that that was not the case at all. So around 5 a.m. on now September 9th, the girls drive Kanika's mom's vehicle back to Kanika's house and pick up Teresa to go back to the hotel with them and search further for Kanika. Now, Teresa is no idiot, right? From the initial phone call these girls made, Teresa explained that it just didn't sound right to her and she could tell that the girls were obviously drunk and possibly even under more than alcohol in their system, just based off of their conversation. She asked the girls like, hey, was Kanika drinking tonight? And they reply that, quote, she had one drink, unquote. Teresa's red flags are up and she knows from past experiences with Kanika that she does not handle liquor at all. And even if she had one drink in her system, it was not good. Here is where the story is going to get really frustrating. When Teresa arrives to the hotel, and keep in mind, this woman has just underwent major surgery, not long prior to this entire ordeal. So imagine dealing with not knowing where your daughter is while being exhausted and in pain. So Teresa immediately goes to the front desk and starts to explain the situation to these employees and that she needed help locating her daughter in their establishment. These employees, well, they would refuse to help which obviously leaves Teresa in a predicament. I mean, it's not like she can just start combing through this building. They could easily kick her out. So she says, okay, fine. I don't need anyone to help me look. I'll do it myself. But can you please at least release the security footage to me so that I can get a lead on where in the world she could have possibly gone? The employees again refused, stating that they could only release that kind of footage to police officers. So at 7.15 a.m., after getting absolutely nowhere with these people, Teresa calls 911 from the parking lot of the hotel. Now at this point, Teresa has called friends and family to come out and help because they weren't getting any were finding Kanika. And this just gets even more frustrating from here on out. So be prepared to get mad. The dispatcher on the other end of the line tells Teresa like, oh, well, if she was partying, then yeah, she's probably just passed out in a hotel room somewhere. This is really no biggie. How about you go home, wait a couple hours, and then see if she shows up. And then if she doesn't, call us again. Teresa comes back to this dispatcher and is like, I'm concerned because it's clear my daughter has been drinking and she does not handle alcohol well. Plus, there's no reason why my daughter would leave her cell phone behind and just like disappear. Frustrated and running out of options, there wasn't a lot that Teresa could do until the police decided to get involved. So she tried talking to the hotel staff herself, that got her absolutely nowhere. If she ran back into the hotel ready for a fight, they could easily just call the police on her and have her arrested. So it wasn't until later that afternoon, around 1.15 p.m., that the police would finally enter Kanika into their system and begin an investigation searching the hotel. Well, I say begin, but let me tell you, they honestly continue to drag their feet all day long. The hotel staff told officers that they reviewed the security footage and you know, they didn't see anything suspicious. So around 6 p.m. that night, Teresa and some family really had enough waiting on the police. They decided, you know what? 
We're going to go back to the hotel and we're just going to start knocking on doors. I mean, you go girl, because honestly, what in the world was she supposed to do? The police weren't doing anything and all Teresa could do was try. So at 8.29 p.m., police were dispatched out to the hotel as complaints were coming in from hotel guests about this woman knocking on their doors. And you know what? Thank God she did this because it finally initiated police officers to review the security footage themselves. Ding, ding, ding. Officer are shown the video of Kanika entering the hotel at 1.13 a.m. Now, I am not sure why the police didn't stick around and try to find Kanika on the CCTV when her friends say that they left her, but they don't. They go up to room 926, they check the room, they check the hallway, and report, you know, we don't see anything suspicious here, and they leave while the hotel employees continue to review the CCTV. Not the police, the hotel. It's chaotic to me. So apparently around 10 p.m., the police decide to continue to review the CCTV and see if there was anything further in the video that they could pinpoint what happened to Kanika. They come across a very either heavily intoxicated or likely under the influence of some kind of substance, Kanika, stumbling down the hallway, as I indicated earlier. After police catch this on camera, they send out another crew to the hotel to search for Kanika, which is so frustrating because if they would have just watched through the footage earlier, they would have seen that, but here we are. So the video they found of Kanika goes a little bit more in depth than I mentioned earlier. I have watched this footage and it is just so eerie to see, knowing what is to come. But they see her stumbling and appearing very confused as she went down the hallway. And when I say stumbling, it's not like she's just tripping here and there. She is barely upright and actively using the wall to hold herself up and walk. So Kanika gets into an elevator and takes it down to the lower level of the hotel where she stumbles out of the elevator doors and down the hallway. The security footage then shows her walking upstairs into another hallway and even walking into a men's restroom at one point. Now, eventually Kanika finds the kitchen in the hotel that is actually under renovation at the time. And the last footage of Kanika shows her walking through the back of the kitchen toward the double freezer. Now, the footage does not show Kanika walking into the freezer, but it is speculated that at this point, Kanika enters the freezer and that the door locked on her way in. And I'm sure you are wondering why would that freezer even be on if the kitchen itself was under renovation? But the hotel was actually using that freezer to store food at the time for an upcoming restaurant. So now that someone has actually reviewed the security footage and has this information, the police go down to the kitchen and they check the walk-in freezer. At 12.23 a.m., police discover Kanika Jenkins' lifeless body inside of this walk-in freezer. When they enter, they see that she is lying on the floor. Her hair is incredibly messy and one of her shoes is off. The police went on to describe her as frozen solid. Officially, at 12.48 a.m., Kanika Jenkins is pronounced dead, and police would immediately report that they did not suspect foul play. Just shortly after the discovery of Kanika, police would bring her mother, Teresa, and family members that were also at the hotel into a conference room and break the news to them. At 4.52 a.m., Kanika's body was removed from the freezer, and 
taken into the kitchen area where a blanket was placed over her body. And then just a few minutes later, Teresa was escorted into the kitchen area to identify her daughter's body. Kanika's first autopsy came back as inconclusive. And then later it was reported that she had hypothermia. Kanika's blood alcohol level was 0.112. And she also had the prescription drug topramate in her system. And her mother indicated that this drug was not prescribed to Kanika, but it's also not a drug that you would use for like recreational use. It actually treats epilepsy and migraines. And then it's sometimes used off-brand for weight loss and muscle spasms. So it is weird that this was in Kanika's system. Now, Kanika did not have any wounds to really note outside of a few scratches and some exposure wounds around her foot where her shoe had been removed, but there was really no indication of a struggle or a fight at all. The medical examiner reported that hypothermia in Kanika's case would absolutely be hastened by the amount of alcohol as well as the topramate in her system. Brain swelling was also reported in the autopsy, which I found really interesting because swelling of the brain wasn't reported to have been associated with her cause of death as hypothermia. So why was Kanika's brain swelling? So the Emmy rules Kanika's death as an accident, but Kanika's mother and family doesn't really feel that that's actually the case. So let's talk about some theories surrounding what could have possibly happened to Kanika that night. There's a theory that her friends and just the people at the party in general that night had something to do with Kanika's death. Listen, I do find it really weird that these friends just left Kanika alone for 15 to 20 minutes, especially in the incredibly intoxicated state that she was in. The theory is basically that someone assaulted and killed Kanika and then placed her body in the freezer. The thing about this theory is though that we have very clear footage of Kanika stumbling down the hallways of the hotel and making her own way to this kitchen. Now she does go off camera where we assume that she entered the freezer herself, but we cannot see that on camera. So yes, technically something could have happened to her, but her autopsy did not indicate any type of sexual assault. There is also the hotel. A lot of people believe that Kanika's death was some kind of cover-up for the hotel. The party itself... Well, the room was charged to a stolen credit card, supposedly by a Chicago gang. And then the party, the hotel knew The hotel knew that this party was happening in their hotel because they had received multiple noise complaints that night. And yet they chose not to do anything about it. People essentially theorized that something happened to Kanika on the hotel property and the hotel felt that they had to cover it up because of all the liability regarding this party and illegal drugs and alcohol use in their establishment that they chose not to shut down. Listen, I fully believe that when Teresa initially asked for help and for that security footage, that the hotel employees would not help because they all knew darn good and well that they were ultimately responsible for this party that was happening on their property and that if something did happen to this woman's daughter, that they were in deep trouble. And what fully angers me about this is that Kanika may have lived if they just helped Teresa when she first arrived to the hotel. Do we know that for sure? No, but Kanika definitely had a better chance of survival just three to four hours after entering this freezer, as opposed to the nearly 24 hours when they discover her body. Do I believe that the hotel employees placed Kanika's body in a freezer trying to cover up her murder? No, but I do believe that they are responsible for not taking action when they knew that a woman in their hotel was missing and by not doing so, it resulted in her death. 
Now, in 2018, Kanika's family filed a $50 million lawsuit against Crown Plaza Hotel for Kanika's death. The suit goes into detail explaining that the hotel had a responsibility to secure the renovation area of this kitchen, and they failed to do so. In fact, there were actually padlocks on the doors, but they just weren't in use, which is crazy to me. Because, yes, this was a drunk girl, okay? What, what about toddlers? What about children that get away from their parents? It's like, I feel like since she was under the influence and intoxicated, it's looked at differently. But if this had been somebody's little tiny four-year-old, would they have done something? I just can't believe that they had these locks on this door and they weren't in use. The suit also blames the hotel for not shutting down this party of 30 people in the hotel room knowing that it was going on because there were reports of multiple noise complaints. Plus, can you even imagine how this room smelled walking by? Alcohol, smoking probably, and definitely BO with sweaty partiers all crowded against one another. It was very evident that a big party was happening and the hotel just chose not to do anything about it. Most importantly, the suit blames the staff for not allowing Teresa access to that security footage when she first showed up to the hotel looking for her daughter. Teresa fully believes, and I do too, that Kanika could have survived if the hotel staff just cooperated and actually helped her look for her daughter. Just last year, in October of 2023, Kanika's case started gaining attention again as the lawsuit was finally settled. But the details regarding the settlement have remained mostly private as, quote, past publicity surrounding the case has resulted in various threats made against various individuals in the case, unquote. However, some reports have stated that it was settled for $10 million. Court records showed that the defendants were found to be negligent in properly securing the kitchen area, refraining from shutting down an illegal party and failing to thoroughly check security camera footage once it had been determined that Jenkins had gone missing. While many of the theories surrounding Kanika's case with possible assault, etc. are popular theories, I fully believe that this was an incredibly unfortunate case of an intoxicated teenager ending up in a really bad situation. With that being said, I don't believe Kanika would have died that night if the hotel staff simply lifted a finger and pressed play on their security footage. And that breaks my heart for Kanika and her family. I pray that her family is finding peace and closure as they mourn Kanika. Well, guys, that's the case for today. I hope you enjoyed getting ready with me today, and I hope that you have the best day ever. Stay aware and stay safe out there. Bye. 